Kelsey was critically injured in a car accident. Now, Kelsey was a cheerleader. She was very popular in school. And as she laid there in her hospital bed, many of her fellow students came to visit her. And uh, one of the students that came to visit her was a 16-year-old boy named Robert. Now, Robert visited with Kelsey many different times, and Robert was really impressed with the faith that Kelsey had, even amidst such horrible circumstances. So, sadly, Kelsey's condition continued to deteriorate, and it turned for the worse, and Robert was told that if he wanted to see Kelsey alive, he better go see her that day. So Robert went to visit his new friend, and he came to the room and found her sleeping silently. Robert didn't want to wake her up because he knew that Kelsey had been suffering with a lot of pain. And just as Robert turned to leave and go out of the room, Kelsey opened her eyes and began to stare at him. And she said, while looking straight at him, Oh, for a minute I thought you were Jesus. They laughed for a few minutes and had a great visit together. And then just two hours later, Kelsey met Jesus face to face. But Kelsey's comment struck a chord with Robert. Years later, Pastor Bob, as he was now known, was preaching to the young people in his church, and he said, I believe that we all ought to be mistaken for Jesus every once in a while. God has given young people a mission just like he's given Jesus a mission. And if you're living that mission, if you're showing unconditional love, if you're treating others with care and compassion, if you're bringing the good news to the poor and to the sick, if you're bringing freedom to those whose lives have been torn apart, then maybe... Maybe someday someone will look at you and say, oh, for a minute, I thought you were Jesus. How can we be mistaken for Jesus? Well, to be mistaken for Jesus and to accomplish the most for God in our lifetimes, the first thing you got to do is start on time. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, Remember the Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. Young people, there has never been a time in human history where Christian young people face greater challenges than you do today. 
It seems that our entire culture is against you. It seems that our society is against you. And many times, I'm sorry to say, it seems like our government is against you. So how on God's green earth are you going to make an impact for Jesus with so much stacked against you? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, a young man named Timothy faced a similar dilemma that our young people do today. And his mentor and teacher wrote him a letter. And in that letter, Paul said to Timothy, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that all your progress may be evident to everyone. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. In that passage of scripture right there, we find out that if we're going to be mistaken for Jesus, if we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in this lifetime, not only have you got to start on time as a young person, but you also have to set a good example. You hearing me, adults? Say amen. Amen. Paul said, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. In word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. Give attention to the reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. See, while Paul is describing Timothy as a young person, Timothy was probably about 30. So I hope that you all see where this can bring great meaning to your life. But Paul, or Timothy, was dealing with elders in the church. He was a pastor. He was actually dealing with elders in the church that were a lot older than him. And Paul was simply telling Timothy, listen, don't let the age difference between those whom you minister to and yourself bother you. Don't let it make a difference with how you live for Jesus. You see, age is kind of a relative thing. 40 years old is kind of old to be a professional athlete, isn't it? But 40 years old is kind of young if you're going to be president of the United States. So it's a relative issue. Paul said, don't let anybody think less of you just because of your age. Young people, I want to extend that very same challenge to you today. Don't let your age keep you from accomplishing great things for God. Don't let your age keep you from being mistaken for Jesus. Paul said, don't let anybody think less of you 
because of your age. You just be an example. That reminded me of where we need to be an example. There was one member of a youth group at a church who thought he was a really great Christian. And he went to visit the third grade Sunday school class and the teacher of the class asked him to say a few words to the boys and girls that were in the class. And so that pompous young person stood before him, before the class, and with a prideful attitude, he asked the class, why do you think people call me a Christian? To which his little brother from the back of the room shouted, because they don't know you. <laughs> Where do you need to start being an example? How about trying it at home first, amen? That reminds me of a, a really great quote by a man named James Moore. And the quote goes like this. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Y'all looking at me pretty crazy. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. In what areas of your life should your walk be talking louder than your talk? Paul gives Timothy about half a dozen ways where his walk ought to talk louder than his talk talks. And he begins by saying to Timothy, set an example in your conversation. He says, in word. You see, the way a Christian talks should characterize the fact that he's a child of God. Your everyday speech should be so far above reproach, so far above criticism, that when people hear you, they think of Jesus. You hearing me, adults? Say amen if you're hearing me. Amen. And listen to this. The words of Jesus, they always built up. They never, ever tore down. But not only in our conversation, but Paul tells Timothy, he says, also, be an example, set an example in your conduct. Now, King James says conversation, but in that, he's not talking about what you talk. He's talking about how you live. Because conduct speaks of a lifestyle. In other words, how you living. How are you living? Does your lifestyle honor God? Is your lifestyle an advertisement for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, friends, we must not be like the hypocrites that Paul described in Titus 1.16 where he said, they profess to know God, but in their works they deny him. Set an example in your conduct. Then Paul says to Timothy, set an example in compassion. He says, in love or in charity. Did you know that Jesus was the only person whose life was a moment-by-moment, audio-visual, 3D demonstration of God's love? See, we're not perfectly capable of doing it like Jesus did. 
But that doesn't mean that we should not try to be like him. The Bible calls us to be like Jesus. God's word compels us to be like him. You see, as Christians, we don't obey God because we want to be applauded by men. We obey God because we want to love him and love those he created. Set an example in your compassion. Then he says, also you need to set an example in your character, in spirit. See, we are to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that we actually radiate Jesus. Can you imagine that? That you glowed like Jesus? You radiated Christ? If we're going to be mistaken for him, if we're going to be examples for others to follow, then we got to surrender. Surrender to the Spirit of God within us. Letting the Spirit live through us and not living in the flesh. See, it's only through His power that we can understand the Word of God, that we can do the will of God, that we can accomplish the work of God, that we can engage in the worship of God, and that we can demonstrate the wisdom of God. It's only by the Spirit of God that you can do such things. But Paul said to Timothy, you also need to set an example in your convictions, that is, in faith. You see, friends, for centuries, generation after generation, God raised up people who will take a stand, take a stand in the midst of an unbelieving world. Young people, are y'all willing to take a stand for Jesus? Are you willing to take a stand for what you claim to believe in? If you are, young people, if you are adults, then belief has got to manifest itself in behavior. Can I get an amen? Set an example in your convictions. What are you teaching your kids? What are you teaching an unbelieving world? What kind of example are you providing for your family, your extended family, your church family, the lost community? Set an example in your convictions. And finally, in that verse, Paul says, you also need to set an example in cleanness. He says, in purity. You know, young people are faced with so many temptations in this world, and many adults are not doing anything about it. Instead, we're imitating the world we live in. And then we expect our children and our young people to do right when we're not setting an example. Here, Paul tells Timothy very clearly. He says, boy, I added that if y'all didn't know. He said, boy, do not be defiled by an impure environment. In other words, Timothy was called to have contact but not be contaminated. Y'all getting me? He was a pastor. He had to have contact with the world, but he was not to be contaminated by the world. God's word calls on his people 
to set the standard, set the, the high standard in purity. So to be mistaken for Jesus, you got to be willing to be an example in conversation, in conduct, in compassion, in character, in convictions, and in cleanness. Sounds a little overwhelming to me. What about y'all? Sounds pretty doggone tough to me. How in the world am I going to learn to set that kind of example? How can I do it? Well, the Word of God tells us that part too. The Word of God says, how are we to learn to set such a good example? First of all, he said, there in verse 14, give attention to reading. Now, he's not talking about your sexy novels. He's not talking about the encyclopedia. He's talking about reading the Word of God. How do you learn to be an example? By reading the Scriptures. Give attention to the reading. Timothy began by reading his Bible. You want to know? Go to the source. Read your Bible. And so should we. And so should we. The Bible is huge. Can I get an amen? amen. Brother Max, you got yours handy? You got your Bible handy? Show everybody. I'm going to show you all a big Bible. That's a big Bible. How many times have you read it? Be honest. I, know, I already know the answer to that because I hadn't read one that big either, brother. It's a big book. And we can't help to know that big book by one cursory reading. We can't hope to know that big book by having a, a little daily devotion, a little nugget, a little tidbit. No. To know and reflect the characteristics of God that I've been sharing with you, you've got to read it over and over and over and over again. Friends, I don't know how many times I've read through the book, but I know I've got a lot more times to read through it before I get to know it. Amen? It's a living word of God, and it changes through every season of your life. You've got to read it over and over and over again. So how do we set that kind of example? How do we learn to set that kind of example? Read the scriptures. Then Paul says in verse 14, minister to others. He says, give attention to exhortation, to encouragement. You see, it's not enough to read the book. You've got to live the book. It's not enough to read it. you also got to put it into practice. If you're going to be mistaken for Jesus, then you won't only urge people to be good, you won't only urge them to do right, you'll pray for them. You'll put the word into practice. You'll pray for them. You'll encourage them when they struggle. You'll comfort them when they're hurting. You're going to be living out this word. Read the scriptures. Minister to others. And number three, Teach God's word. Say, Brother Bill, I ain't no teacher. No, but you're breathing, ain't you? If you're breathing, raise your hand. <laughs> Praise God y'all are breathing. Now, some of y'all don't look like you're breathing, but I know you are. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're breathing, you're a teacher. He says, give attention to doctrine. See, as a growing Christian... You ought to become a student of the word. You ought to become a student of God's word because he knows that before you go to teaching somebody else, you got to know it yourself. Young people, when we diligently read the word, 
practice the word and teach the word, then you're going to begin to live in such a way that those who don't know Christ are going to know him. Why? Because they know you. Read the scriptures. Minister to others. Teach the word. You want to be mistaken for Jesus? You want to accomplish all the good things that God's got in store for you? Set an example. But he's not done. Because in verse 14, he also tells us to use your spiritual gift. Look at verse 14 again. He says to Timothy, hey boy, don't neglect the gift that's in you. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. Romans 8, 9 teaches all believers that if you belong to Jesus, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. That's not Bill Barlow theology. That's God's theology. That is Bible right there. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, what that means is, is the very moment... The very moment that a person becomes a Christian, whether they're young or old, it matters not. God blesses them with a gift of the Spirit and a gift from the Spirit. Now that's good news for me and you because in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the Bible says the gift of the Spirit is given to each one. If you're in each one, raise your hand. Amen. We're all in each one. The gift of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Given to each one for the profit of all. God says that he gives us free gifts that are to be used for everyone's benefit. So don't be cheating me of my gift, amen, by not using your gift. Paul says to young Timothy, don't neglect that gift that's in you, boy. Young people, a gift has to be shared and has to be exercised or it'll shrivel up just like an unused muscle. It's got to be used. One way to put it is this way. When it comes to your spiritual gifts, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. If you don't use what God's given you, He's going to make sure somebody does. Use it or lose it. And although the gifts and these ministry opportunities and possibilities for service come straight from God and from God alone, we got, must not be careless. We must not be negligent. We must not be half-hearted when it comes to developing and using these gifts. Friend, God has a place for you. And obviously, it's right here. God has you in a place where you can make a difference. God has you in a place where you can influence people's lives for all eternity. God has you in a place where you can minister to people's needs. The only question is this. Will you use 
your gifts. You're in a place to use it. Will you use it or will you lose it? If you'd like to be mistaken for Jesus, if you'd like to accomplish great things for God, then you've got to be willing to set an example and use your spiritual gifts. But there's two more I want to give you before we go home. The third one is this. You also have to be willing to grow. Look at what Paul said to Timothy in verse 15. He said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Meditate on these things. That can be translated as cultivate those things. It can be translated, take great pains to develop these things. And so Paul was encouraging Timothy. And listen, y'all, I believe he's encouraging me and you today. Encouraging us to give ourselves to God's work without distraction, without division of heart. And go all out. Go all out to serve our Lord and Master. Listen, when that happens, when you go all out, when you're all in, you're all in. And when that happens, your progress your growth, your development, your progression as a maturing Christian will be evident to everybody. And you'll be an example for the Lord Jesus Christ. So often, many Christians kind of hit a plateau. They only get so high and they stop. It reminds me of a lot of times what happens after one of our camp experiences, y'all. Man, we get, we get up there, and then we come back home, and we don't go no further. We've hit that plateau. We say, man, that was awful good. Man, there's never been worship like there is at camp. It's spectacular worship. But then we come home, and we like to settle down in that comfortable rut. And we don't carry it any further. We don't grow any, for, any further. But we should always be growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not advancing, you're going backwards. If you're not moving forward, you're going the wrong direction. Our devotion and desire to see Jesus magnified should be the number one priority in our life. And our, our heart's desire ought to be to grow in that. So would you like to be mistaken for Jesus? How about set a good example? How about use your spiritual gifts? How about, friend, just be willing to continue growing? But there's one last one today. And that is, keep up your guard. Keep up your guard. Look in verse 14. Excuse me, verse 16. Paul said to Timothy, take heed to yourself. And to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. One translation says it this way. Listen, y'all. Watch your life. Watch your life. You make sure you're watching what you're being taught. 
You make sure you listen to that preacher. You listen to him real good. You make sure he's telling you the truth. You make sure your Sunday school teacher is telling you the truth. That it's coming from the word of God. You watch yourself. But you also watch those who are teaching you. Notice the order. First, take heed to yourself. Then, to the doctrine. Young people, there's so much junk out there. I'm talking about witchcraft, astrology, cults, Buddhism, Mormonism, Hinduism, humanism, legalism, mysticism, atheism, agnosticism, and all them isms ain't nothing but junk. So if you want to be mistaken for Jesus, watch yourself, and then you watch the doctrine too. First, examine what you believe. Examine what you're doing. Examine how you're living. Then, align your beliefs with what the Word of God says. And you just might be mistaken for Jesus. Uncertainty. Doubt. Wavering back and forth have no good place in a world as dangerous as ours. You got to know what you know. Believe what God's word says and live by it. Take heed to yourself and take heed to the teaching of God's word so that we'll be saved, Paul said. Saved from false teachings. Saved from worldly living. If there's a chance for us to be mistaken for Jesus Christ, listen, y'all, we can't just let the Christian life happen. You got to be intentional about it. It can't be que sera, sera. Anybody know what that means? Come on, you older folks. Kesarasara, what's it mean? Ooh, I guess there's a lot of old people in here. Whatever will be, will be, can't be that way. Went to Maine to visit my dad, and the state motto is live and let live. Whatever will be, will be. And it struck me to the core. That's what the government's teaching the people up in Maine. That's why they're called maniacs, amen? <laughs> but if we're going to live this Christian life, if we're going to be mistaken for Jesus, you can't just let it happen. You have to deliberately, deliberately live for Jesus. How do you do that? You set a good example. You use your spiritual God-given gifts Right? You stay willing to grow, but then whatever you do, keep up your guard. Because there is a lion roaring, roaming around this world we live in, roaring loudly and seeking whom he may devour. Don't be an appetizer, amen? Say amen. amen. Don't let him get you. Stay on guard. 
Keep up your guard. And friend, all of this that I've been talking about this morning, it all begins with being born again. Now, many people say, born again, what does that mean? I thought it was interesting. Isn't July 7th your birthday? Yes. Next Sunday, Molly's going to be baptized, and it happens to be her birthday. And I put two and two together, and she was born, and then she's going to be baptized, signifying that she's born again. Amen? Both on the same day. But some people say, born again, what does that mean, Bill? Well, there was a guy, a real religious guy, as a matter of fact, that asked Jesus the same question. Because Jesus had said this to Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, this real religious guy really wanted to see the kingdom of God. And later on down there in John chapter 3, Jesus shared with him how that could be possible. And it had nothing to do with his religion. It hadn't had nothing to do with his church. It had to do about his relationship with God. And the Bible says this is how that occurs. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Would you like to start looking like Jesus? Jesus says, believe in the name of the Son of God. What he accomplished for you on that cross that he was gloriously raised from the dead three days after he was buried. The Bible says that's what this being born again means. Placing all of our faith in the only one that can make a difference. I pray if that's you this morning, that you would not hesitate to take that first step of faith and allow me to show you what the word of God says about how you can be born again. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and we thank you so much for your word that teaches, your word that shows us, Lord, how we can be mistaken for Jesus. Father, help us to set the example. Father, help us to use that which you've given us as believers. Father, help us to be willing to grow and to grow and to advance and progress and grow. But Father, also help us to keep our guard because the adversary, the enemy, is roaming around He's attacking us constantly. Father, help us to keep our eyes on you and to yield the flesh and walk in the spirit for your glory. Father, for the one that's here today that recognizes that today is the day that they need to be born again so they can become part of the kingdom of God. Father, you speak to them as only you can. And we'll give you the glory in advance in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's page one.